right, everyone. How you doing? I am Sergio from the Dodgeball Podcast, and here with me I have... Hi, I'm Alex Bonsignori. I'm a player at Bedford Mighty Eagles, and I play for the England Lions. So I brought Alice on um, sort of at the request of a few uh, mutual friends that we have. Uh, she's kind of popped up on my radar a bit. But before we get into the reason she popped up into my radar, we'll get into some preliminaries. So, Alice, what's your jersey number and what's the story behind it? So, my jersey number is the same for club and for England. It's 44. Um, it kind of stemmed from the fact that, like, it's a little bit weird, a little bit um, superstitious. Superstitious. That... Yes, that one. <laughs> Great start. I'm off to a brilliant start. You're English and I'm teaching you English. I'm not English. I am oh, French, mister. Fair enough. Um, yeah, it's a little bit superstitious. I have always had like the number four come, like pop up in my life um, in different aspects and family, friends, studies, whatever. Um, and yeah, that's the number I wanted um, when I started. Unfortunately, wasn't available. I was told you can have number 44 if you want. Uh, and I said, close enough. Starts with four, ends with four, must be four. Um, so, yeah, that's my number. And it will stay that way. <laughs> so you, so initially, you're, you, you wanted to pick number four, but that wasn't available. So you just doubled down and just went two for two? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> And it kind of, you said the number kind of followed you around in some ways. Like, did you live on a street with a four on it? Apartment number four, like stuff like I that. I lived at a house, number four. Um, it's, you know, when you get randomly assigned a number, I'd always end up with four or 14 or 40. Um, it's, yeah, come up in my family. Like it's significant in terms of like events in like my family life and stuff. So yeah, that's kind of. Yeah, it pretty much follows you everywhere at this point. Exactly. And now it's just on my back, so literally following me. So. <laughs> you just doubled down. Um, so let's let's get into uh, your dodgeball origins. Uh, where did you start playing and what was your first session like? Yeah, so my first club was UCL, so University College London. Um, and yeah, I just took it up at uni. Uh, some people I went to pub crawl with said they went to a dodgeball taster session and I said I haven't heard about that game for maybe 10 years <laughs> sounds like it would be fun uh, throwing balls at people sounds right up my street um, and yeah so I went uh, I was lucky enough that um, my first training session was uh, gendered so separate genders I only played against women at first um and had a good time um i you might know her tamara hoffer from um czech republic she was actually a captain at my university and oh. she told me you should come to a competitive session and i did loved it met a lot of people um that liked to throw balls didn't really mind getting hit by them and then go to the pub afterwards and never look back <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting you mentioned tomorrow because i interviewed her like two years ago mm. she was a ray of sunshine say, say yeah this. yeah um so she was the captain of your you said uni squad yes yeah you started off on the right foot as far as i'm concerned 
So yeah, definitely. <laughs> so um, other than Tamara, because she could do no wrong, essentially. Um, what was it about the game that hooked you coming back or like uh, having you come back rather? To be truly honest. So I've always been a sporty person. I've always liked the game of dodgeball as a kid. I always tell this stupid story that um, I say my like eighth birthday party, I got a bit too excited that we were going to have a game of dodgeball and I ran straight into a window because I wanted to go outside to play dodgeball. Um, so, you know, I was familiar with the game. I wanted to do something sporty whilst I was at uni and just that the club was just super welcoming and lovely and there was a lot of freshers um that started at the same time as me which were also you know sporty mildly competitive girls and that were just there to kind of have a good time so yeah got me hooked and then I realized I wasn't that bad at it which was a very nice feeling <laughs> I mean any anyone who would say that considering <laughs> what you've accomplished is uh far from far from uh, logical you're definitely definitely top tier i'll say that um but let's talk about you ran into your window you ran into yes. a glass window because you were excited to run outside not realizing yeah. it was closed yeah at first I, yeah yeah head first um thought i broke my nose but didn't very luckily um just too keen you know it's you know, you kind of remind me of uh, an American football linebacker. I feel like you would try to do that because that's what that's all they would do. They would just lead in head first and go for that tackle. I did mean, it is what I do. I did not break the. I think my parents would have been really upset at me if I broke the glass. So thankfully, I did not break the glass. <laughs> it um, must have been Pepsi. Um, <laughs> I'm I'm familiar with the material. I used to do a little contru uh, construction. So. Um, eight-year-old excited to play dodgeball at her birthday yeah and uh, then 18 year old excited to throw balls at people that were scared of them so so you know, a decade and safe to assume nothing changed yep exactly <laughs> so how long did you play in the uni scene for uh so i did like two years ish um i got injured during my first year so i only did like three months of it um and then my third year of uni is when COVID happened so obviously that got cut short a little bit as well um so yeah I'll say two two and a bit years um and what was your first um competitive club uh so my first competitive club was London Storm uh which I joined whilst I was at university um and learned so much there was very very good um yeah I stayed there for well the year where COVID happened and then one year after that as well um who were the um because I, I look at it like this whenever you join a team yeah you can you know fall in love with the team fall in love with the culture of it but you often mag you know I would say you magnetize towards one person for one reason or another or a couple people whether they're a mentor a friendly rival a mix of the both who would you say left like a big impression on you on that end and who who did you gravitate towards um at, so a club yeah so my first real like captain was Harry Bignall um she's 
well now she lives in Canada but she last year played for Leamington Spartans and is also a former England player I never played with her internationally but um kind of tells you the caliber of the player I guess mm-hmm. um she she's a very like strong woman she's the definition of a strong woman um and I would yeah I was just very impressed by how good she was at dodgeball how confident she was a person um she taught me so much I I messaged her after Euros um and thanked her because I do um think I wouldn't be the player I am today if it wasn't for her um she was because she was friendly you know like she was she became a friend but that came after her being my teacher I guess um in terms of friends um I don't know if you know Megan White who is also an England player um she's one of the first people I became with friends with at Storm um just decided yeah that that kid looks fun I'm gonna make her my friend and um yeah I felt very welcome and very cared for so those are some important women in my uh dodgeball career you can say but so it, it seems to me the theme of your story thus far and maybe as we continue it'll be the same Tamara Megan Harry yeah three names who I know pretty well strong women you you had a lot of solid foundation in your early years, barring the yeah, pandemic. I, you had a lot of uh, strong foundation in your early years, so that's uh, that puts you in a solid position mentally, and I'm sure, skill skillful wise as well. Yeah, I can definitely say I was very lucky because I know not a lot of people um, have that kind of journey. I know a lot of people don't get to play with women at all. Uh, a lot of clubs in the UK don't have the privilege of having, um, separate gendered sessions. Cause I, I, I love playing against men. Like I love playing mixed and whatnot, but I definitely feel like I was able to improve because I was playing against women and with women. Um, all of them took a chance on me. Um, literally every opportunity I've had in terms of growing as a player and in this sport has been when someone was like I can see potential in that girl and I'm willing to give her like a shot um my first actual season at Storm I was put in the women's first team um and that was unexpected but very um appreciated I guess there was a lot like the the coaches that were doing the selection half of them were like we don't think she's good enough the other half said but we can see the potential if she responds well to the coaching she might be she she can become a great player um so yeah they took a chance on me and i i can i'm so grateful for that because i wouldn't be here today if i had been put in that second team you know yeah um um but yeah i'm I'm very familiar with um how the scene is like over there um and there's not that many clubs that have like separate gendered uh training um sessions throughout the week so i'm I'm sure it's growing i know it's growing but it's just not where it, it can be as uh, um as people would like uh so all right so We've established that you had a strong foundation of women who encouraged you, uplifted you. At some point, you believed in yourself to go out for England. Yeah. What was that moment? Um, 
what was that moment in your, you know, where was that moment or when did that happen? We were like, you know what? I'm going to give this uh, England thing a try. So to give you a little bit of context, I played for France uh, before playing for England. So I'm French, but I've never played dodgeball in France. Um, I, when I was in my second year of uni, um, I had a couple of people say, listen, you know, you should try out for France. They need women. Um, and so I managed to get into the international scene by doing that first, played my first Euros with them in Newcastle. Um, and to be truly honest, I fully intended on playing for France. Just, you know, that was kind of the thing at that point. Um, I didn't think I would be good enough for England anyways. And um I'd started playing internationally, so I wouldn't, there was no reason for me to like change. Um, and then COVID happened. So all the tournaments got canceled, everything just kind of came to stop. Um, and then including any international training, I guess. Um, and then I played my first season for Storm, like actual competitive, no longer at uni this is what i'm doing kind of season um last year like what was it 2021 um and i was like you know what i actually quite fancy my chances at being on england i train with players that are on the squad i play with them it would make my life so much easier when it comes to going to international training because it would be you know, a two-hour car ride rather than a Eurostar or a plane ride. Um, and yeah, so I kind of was like, you know what? If if this is an opportunity I get, I, I want to have it. Um, so I kind of just, I, I had friends that, you know, were already in the England squad. So I kind of asked them, like, who should I speak to? What, what like, to just say I'm interested. Um, and yeah, so I managed to, like, say listen you know I've played for France in the past but if you're interested in me I'm interested in you um and I managed to get invited to close trials and then you know the rest is history I've managed to get on hopefully <laughs> to stay on <laughs> <laughs> hopefully right um well that's interesting um I think you mentioned it earlier but I think we kind of glossed over it I didn't know you were from France explain to me because you say you tried out for them uh, in two private sessions or two close sessions as you guys call it the feeling that you got and we could see on the camera here but people can't see it at home and you had that the, the first time you put that jersey on with that lion crest right here and your name on the back of it what did that what was that experience like for you you put that on you you know obviously you, you know you switch countries but you're at the same time it's more convenient for you to make it to a session there if you made the team you did all the work you had a solid foundation from the very beginning you have the talent and the drive to go there now you have that jersey with that lion crest right over here and the name on the back how did that feel for you the first time you had it yeah it's pretty unreal not gonna lie um <laughs> Obviously, England is widely regarded as one of the best teams, one of the best nations in, at least like in cloth dodgeball. Um, and when I did play for France, I was watching the England games like, oh my God, they're so incredible. How will I ever 
like I don't think I will ever be this good or if I am like I'll be on the bench uh, or like something like that um and yeah I was like oh I've I've actually achieved this there's so many more things I can do but I've achieved that one thing that you know 18 year old me wanted to do I didn't think I'd get the chance because I didn't think I could play for a country that wasn't my nationality um but I could because I live here and I've lived here long enough that it doesn't matter so yeah that was pretty incredible I mean you know what to be truly honest the feeling is the same every time you step on court wearing that top it just feels as surreal and incredible every time the way you said that at the end of it kind of brought a question to my mind that I didn't think I would ask did you ever have like um yeah, like like an out of body body experience when you're on the court because you, you, the way you said it you're like when you watch when you played for France and you watch England play you you see them and they're like obviously regarded and rightfully so as one of the top cloth nations in the world now you're on that stage with them did you ever feel like like wait a minute am I really here or is this like a glitch in the matrix kind of thing you know what I mean like, did you ever feel yeah. that yeah it, it does happen um a lot of time it'll be like before the tournament happens or straight after the tournament because when you're on court I, I, I don't know about you but um like I have my warm-up I have like my whole like prep I do before I get on court so when I'm on court I'm in the zone I can't have that moment I did have a little bit of a moment like that when I was in the Euros like final um last year and then this year because I'm like oh oh, this is actually happening. Everyone's watching us try and compete for the title. Um, but yeah, like I did spend the, the entire train, the plane ride, sorry, um, coming to Croatia being like, oh, this is this is actually happening. We've just trained for a whole year for this and it's, it's happening. <laughs> um, so, yeah. A few moments, but not in the... Not in the actual action, but the before and after. There's too much happening. You don't have time to to have those moments. <laughs> no, honestly, no. That that's fair. That's fair. But in the very in the very least, you admitted that it was always before and after, never during. Yeah. Not when the mission was on the line, so to speak. Yeah. And I actually, I actually do agree with you on that end. Um, I got to play in uh, nationals in Mexico a couple months ago, and um, yeah, half of the team that I was on was either Mexican nationals who play on the national team or Mexican Americans who also play on the national team. So I didn't get that feeling until I came back. And I was like, wow, I got to play some real ballers and we made it to the finals. Um, so let's kind of travel back in time a bit. Uh, your first Euros with England was last year in the, uh, in the Netherlands. Netherlands yeah. And what was that experience like overall? Like, how would you encompass that as your first time? It was, oh, I don't really know how to describe it. I don't know how familiar you are with how England is perceived um, by other nations at Euros. Um, to some extent. To say people aren't the biggest fans of England is pretty accurate. Um people don't like when teams win 
especially not when they win consistently. Um, and for the first for the first several years of um, European dodgeball, England was pretty much the only team, and so people started rooting for the underdogs, which was whoever was against England. Um, and I feel like last year was still it was still very very much that headspace of you go in and people cheer against you people boo you do something you think is nice and no one cares or you know you get out and everyone's ecstatic about it so it does it does put you in a negative headspace um I'm very lucky and I feel like we're very lucky as a as a whole squad that we are like aware of that experience we all go through that together um and the support that we get from each other is incredible um like my I'm so thankful for my teammates because they they understand and they're like they're there to like entertain you and you know change change your minds into doing something else and going for dinner and just clearing your head basically so it was it was difficult um but you know I don't know it was like I'd heard of it I'd seen it to some extent coming from like a different nation um but it was it made me a better player I think because it made me like like tone out the no noise um like this year's this year was very different um yeah it it was difficult but you know I'm I'm glad it happened um I'm glad I went through it you know I, I didn't I, I we did go home um and we all had COVID so that also put like a small a small, small damper yeah exactly um uh, but yeah <laughs> it, it it made me realize how much you know how important the team was and how important being a, a part of that squad was basically um i'm familiar to some extent the i guess you would say negative press that england has and yeah. i feel like most of that is and i i, I say that obviously in, from where i'm at so I, I can't say i'm in the front lines with you in that end but I feel a lot of that is sporting unless yeah. unless you heard something derogatory or anything that I haven't heard um a lot of it is just sporting like a lot of oh, people yeah absolutely like I look at it like this like you know how many people root against Manchester United <laughs> you know what I mean how many people root against uh depending on what side of the fence you are on uh Barcelona or Madrid how many people root against Juventus and are wrong or <laughs> and root, and root yeah. against Inter? You know what I mean? Like there's a level of, and I guess I want to say this, not just to you, but to everyone, you know, younger than you who may walk into that same experience like they had last year. Um, and, I, and I don't want to interject myself into this, but I kind of want to explain where I'm coming from. Like I used to play high school basketball, high school football, high school soccer, and I played in Detroit and over there, like, let me tell you something. If they boo you, they going to boo you. You know what I mean? Yeah. I got booed out of my own turf, so to speak, you know, it, it, whether I was wrestling, whether I was doing judo in high school sports, like that was, that was kind of competitive in that city. 
So I'm, you know, the way I would say that to, to people, you know, you like your age and younger, you're going to walk into the lion's den at some point. You're going to walk into that coliseum of people who want to see your head on a platter. But unless it gets to a certain point where it's beyond sporting, welcome that environment because, you know, like they say, like in Guns N' Roses, you're in the jungle now. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you're in the jungle now. You're about to be the king of the jungle. You're about to be either Tarzan or you're going to be on the bottom of the food chain. You trained all that time to get to that point. The objective wasn't to get cheered and the, obje- the objective wasn't to get booed. The objective was to bring it home, so to speak. Yeah. You know what I mean? The objective was to yeah, bring it home. Yeah, at the end of the day, you the guys people are doing all are on the sidelines. They're not on the court with you or against you. So you know I mean? the only thing that is you bringing control them is just... That, that parameter right there. You control the in, you know, the court. You control your impact on the court. Yeah, that's just white noise right there in the background. But I guarantee you, you probably have your mom, you probably have your dad, you probably have your cousin somewhere in the stands or watching in the stream. And I say that to anyone going into that, like, you're going to get booed at some point. To what extent? I don't know, unless I see it for myself. But you got a lot of veteran leadership above you who've been through it before, and they're going to walk you through it. Just do your job. And that's to any, you know, to you and to anyone in devs who are going to walk in your position at some point. Um, but that being said, so after last year, you had a year to prepare for this year. What did you do differently? And I'm talking about you. What did you do differently to prepare for this coming Euros that maybe you didn't do last year? I changed the headspace I was in both for club and international level. So I changed clubs in that year. I uh, moved to Bedford Mighty Eagles. That's because I changed jobs and I wasn't able to make, you know, the training sessions anymore. Um, And I was lucky to have the privilege to work with um, Charlotte Josiah, Liv Morris, Sarah Town, Abby Gower, Amy Sharp, they're all, I mean, Amy's now um, moved to Derby, but they were all on that squad. And um, I learned a lot from them, both in terms of playing dodgeball, but also the headspace you need to be in to just completely block out any noise, anything, and just work hard. The only thing that's in your control is the amount of work that you put in, and if you're not putting in like your maximum effort then what are you doing your maximum effort shouldn't push you to an edge that you can't sustain you need to understand your own boundaries and you know what rest you need to take and what like puts you in the right headspace and the the right um position to play your best um but this is the only thing you can do you know you have no control over outside elements whether it's the game or anyone else. So, yeah, the only thing you can do is work, just grind. There's two themes that we have already covered. You had Charlotte Josiah now um, kind of put you in that mental headspace. Strong woman right there. You see the foundation we're building right here for the story's sake? And two, what did we just go over? You control what's in here. You control that court. You know, it's not you just getting booed. It's everyone else in that squad. You know, it's like your band of, or I say band of brothers, band of sisters in this case. Yeah. You guys are all going through it at the same time. So you guys are going to grind it out. 
And the fact that you join them, like that's, I mean, all those names right there, including Emmy, that's, that's a list of uh, future hall of famers. If we ever have one, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's, It's the thing as well though, where it's like storm, was a very competitive environment because they want everyone wants to be on the best team and as well um the privilege of being the yeah it is privileged to have the gendered sessions they have enough women to have um women's play separately trained separately at Bedford Mice Eagles we don't have that um we it's a fairly small club and we train mixed pretty much all the time and you know the the boys are still young and still developing they're not um they're not on england they're not you know in super league yet um but playing against strong boys is definitely like was positive for me as well because it's the unknown it's something you can't predict the the women's game it has a logic to it. It has a strategy to it because, you know, not everyone can throw very hard. Not everyone can dodge crazy, like do crazy, crazy dodges. But if you play the strategic game right, you will win. But when you play against boys, they're stronger than you. They're faster than you. You can play your strategy as much as you want. If you don't have the skill, they're going to beat you. So that change of headspace sorry of yeah of headspace I guess but um of environment also kind of helped me realize like the focus it's it's a holistic experience the focus can't be we have the best strategy it has to be we're the best at everything so would you say that um I'm gonna probably use a I don't know if you're a gamer but I'll use gamer reference um playing (laughs) you I'm sorry. No, I'm. I'm. I like watching video games. I'm really bad at playing them, so I might understand. I might not. Okay, so would you say that playing mixed, whether in Bedford or elsewhere, you know, when you're playing against men, um, would you say that that forces you as a woman to bring a different meta to the women's game, women's game rather, because you're used to playing against something on a weekly basis that you otherwise don't see at either Super League or, or the international stage? Yeah. Um, I wouldn't say like necessarily a, a different meta because, you know, if you try and change meta and then you play against people that play the same, it's not necessarily going to work. You can always improve uh, the strategy, but changing it, completely wouldn't necessarily be um like yeah it wouldn't necessarily contribute in a positive way um I think mixed is more when you know when you're a woman in mixed we we had that conversation jokingly with some friends um who I play mixed with he it's one of the boys that was like oh yes we've got mixed I'm so excited about this because suddenly I'm the top three of the players on my team suddenly on the other team, there's three players that are definitely harder to play against. And then three players that if I need an easy target, I'm going to go for them. It, it doesn't mean they will actually be an easy target. Some right. of the people, some of the girls we play mixed with are absolute units and will take anyone down. <laughs> I um, know that for sure. But 
you know it's a it's a different it's a different speed um it, the mixing goes a lot quicker you need to make faster decisions you need to adapt to everything that's happening around you a lot quicker and then that can translate into the women's game where you feel more in control you can analyze things faster you can make decisions better because your reaction time has gone better and has gotten quicker based on the fact that you've trained against men and you played with men i like the way you broke that down all right so let's talk about your headspace going into osajek so let's talk about like what was your main focus going into it so i think the the main focus for everyone at least on the woman's side was to win um it had been seven years since england had won gold um and technically nine years well i say nine years obviously covid was in in the middle and everything but um the last time england won the european championships in the women's category was in 2014 so after so many years of falling short i mean obviously it's only my second year on england so I'm still new to that, but all I could hear around me is we need this win. And I feel like the play style and the the caliber of players that England has is great and very it completely changed from previous years. Um it's not at all the same meta as you've uh, <laughs> brought up before. Yeah. Um and so, yeah, the headspace was we need this win. I also was very excited. It was my first time playing mixed um, for England. So the fact that I picked, been picked for that squad as well was um, really, yeah, um, exciting for me. Um, but I also felt like we had a lot more support this time. Um, obviously, last summer there was Worlds where um, the, you know, the UK nation played as GB. And I do feel like that completely shifted the relationship that a lot of us have and a lot of us had coming into this Euros. Uh, in the past, you would have had, you know, Wales, Scotland, Northern Ireland being the first one to cheer against England. But I feel like this year I had so many friends on those other nations, squads, and so many of these friends tell me, we want you guys to win. We will cheer for you. We're so excited for you. And I felt really supported. Um, so there was a big shift compared to obviously last year. Um, but I also felt a lot of pressure because it was kind of the the situation that we've been training for a year. If we don't do it this year, then I don't know if we can do it. Um, and we did. So there we go. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny you mentioned that because I didn't just notice it with the women's team. I noticed it across essentially the entire program where mm -hmm. before, if you were to ask me what's England's play style like in the past decade, because I've watched counter Omni Euros in the past decade, um, I would pretty much say this, this, and this. Yeah. But this year, I noticed that you guys, and I guess you kind of credit it to last year playing on GB together with all the other UK nations, which I didn't even think about. Um, I looked at you guys like a switchblade, like, you know, you guys can interchangeably provide different personnel, different groupings to adapt to what's in front of you versus forcing 
what, what, for, for lack of a better phrase, forcing your style rather than, you know, you know what I mean? Like I felt like this yeah, year absolutely. you guys were more adaptive. Yeah. You kind of could definitely tell um, that we've been training all the different styles. We, we didn't want to go. So last year we struggled against teams uh, that we probably shouldn't have struggled against just because they they knew how to play against our style um if you have one style you're predictable so this year we really didn't want to be predictable we wanted to have um an arsenal of of options when it came to what we could do and i don't know how much dodgeball you watch in terms of the national leagues um but all the different top clubs, if you look at Leamington Spartans, if you look at Derby Phantoms, Bedford Mighty Eagles, even like um, East Anglia Valkyries, they've disbanded, but still when um, they were playing last season, each one of these clubs had a very distinct, very different style. And basically what our goal was, was kind of to master all of them. We have players from all these clubs. Can we master all of them? Can we train enough that we can do all these things and, um, you know, adapt to what's in front of us? And, you know, it took some time, but I feel like a lot of players changed throughout this year in their mentality towards how the game should be played and how they just play in general. Um, so yeah, yeah I, I definitely do. Um, whenever whenever someone's streaming a Super League matchup over there, I can definitely tell you I'm a, I'm a nerd. Ask your friends about me; they know. Um, <laughs> it's fine. I watch so much dodgeball; it's maybe a bit worrying. Oh no, people have already lost hope on me at this point. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I did notice that. Like, I call it the switchblade approach um, yeah. when I do uh, amateur mixed martial arts, like. We always say you need to have that switchblade, and it doesn't yeah. mean actual switchblade. I mean like, okay, you can wrestle. Hopefully, hopefully, right? I mean, in the streets, it's legal, but uh, at least out here it is. Yeah, hopefully not on the dodgeball court. <laughs> no, not, I'm not the prepared court. for that one. No, no, like let's say for example, Alice, you come in as a high prospect wrestler yeah. for two months. You're not touching the mat. We're putting gloves on you, teaching you how to strike, we're teaching you how to kick, we're teaching you how to bob and weave, we're teaching you how to sprawl. Then we go back to your fundamentals. Then we go back to what you can do best because that's what you can do best better than anyone in this gym. You guys have, and I, <laughs> I love how you mentioned that like you guys came in with a different approach because I look at it and I kind of gear it towards the newly appointed <laughs> Jen Alam in that she brought in a new perspective. And I feel like in some way she influenced that whether she gets all the credit or some of it, I feel like she influenced that in some way because a change in leadership, a change in leadership led to what we would call the switchblade approach that I saw in Euros. Because I'm thinking like every England game that I saw, because I, I didn't see the first two days, but I saw the last couple. Um, every game led to a different approach. It wasn't the same team. You guys might've had the same personnel on on the court but you guys didn't play the same you guys had a different approach a different way of grinding it out a different way of dominating a different way of coming it back a different way of just keeping yourselves in the game where i was just like the the meta is being defined in front of us 
is not yeah. being changed after the fact. They're adapting. They they got a playbook upon playbook upon playbook. I think I even made a comment on one of the streams. Like England has now a plethora of ways to approach this particular matchup. And I was talking to um, shout out Mark Hopkins on the YouTube stream. It was like, yeah, like they're having that different approach now. They're not the same team. I mean. It definitely is, Jen. It's also Simon Tapping, and Simon, who's yeah. the the women's coach. I mean, I don't I don't know much about the men's training because you know they do our, their their thing, we do our own. Um, but you know, if you ask Simon, he has a play and a call for every single thing that happens in the game. <laughs> we it's not exactly what we trained, you know. We he he did you know um, kind of edit some of it out, but he is prepared for everything and he kind of i think i think a big um reason why this was so successful is because we just let the players play yeah sure having a, a strategy and having a style and you know having a call is important but if you let the players play you're just going to get the best out of your players you can drill control into them and that's great um but you know at the end of the day you might need that clutch moment and that's only gonna happen if the players are just doing their own thing clutch we'll definitely talk about that um <laughs> so let's talk let's that go word back way in... too many times <laughs> i know right um so let's let's, let's kind of go back in time you said you were a sporting uh kid so what was um what was your sports background like growing up oh god uh very eclectic um <laughs> let's go we got I, yeah yeah i mean <laughs> I, I would never stick to sport for more than like two years i've got like i've got adhd and i get bored so quickly <laughs> um but yeah no i did tennis i did basketball I did a little bit of badminton um, and then I, the one I kind of stuck out uh, a little bit longer was gymnastics, um, which I absolutely loved. It ruined my body. Um, <laughs> but you know what? Sometimes I try and embody um, my younger self on court and just do silly jumps and silly, silly rolls on court. Um, <laughs> so it's quite fun. But yeah, I, I mean, as a kid, you would always find me just running around doing something climbing trees and you know <laughs> running after pets and dogs and cats and whatnot so yeah um so you played basketball that tells me you got a mean crossover don't you oh no I was absolutely dreadful <laughs> I, I just like to run at people and try and steal the ball from them uh thank god it wasn't netball there's no netball in France I don't know if there is in the in the U.S. um oh no but- there's a there's a funny netball story I shared with um, April uh, mm. in the last episode I had with her. Um, so I, I guess I can kind of go over it here. Yes. They're, they're doing a because um, I live I live in Hollywood, so I live right by like a famous like hiking spot called Runyon Canyon. And for whatever reason, I'm walking through it, you know, kind of jogging through it, and they were they were filming something, but for whatever reason, they had this netball setup in there and i'm like okay. netball on a hiking trail okay whatever okay okay it's hollywood i'm i'm, I'm used to it but happen to know i happen to know someone someone on the set and they just let me climb in and i was like wait a minute this is a regulation like netball thing and i'm like i can yeah. kind of touch this and i'm like 
I could dunk this. <laughs> and I was like, okay, let me let me dunk it. So I get I get a netball and I dunk it. And let me tell you, gravity won. Because I realized yeah. <laughs> I realized that pull is frail. That pull is frail. And I'm not. I'm I, I don't know how many I don't I'm gonna just say this. I'm 180 pounds. I don't know how many kilos that is. We'll we'll do the translation later. I'm 180 lean pounds. That pull was frail. And I landed on my ass <laughs> trying to dunk it. And I didn't even do like a hard dunk. I just did a tub like a double hander. And I'm like, oh crap. <laughs> You're like, that explains why that's that explains not why a I don't see typical netball move, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I would do this all the time. No, I wouldn't. Gravity pulled me back. Oh, <laughs> I God. busted my ass. Oh. <laughs> but um, yeah, no. I, I hope it doesn't don't, put you off don't. netball. No, no. I, I, surprisingly, I enjoy watching it. But um, I'm not dunking on that again. And uh, don't try to hustle me. I know you got a crossover. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I was just. Amy told me you got a mean three-point shot. Yeah, of course I did. <laughs> she's, she's a traitor. I, I stand by that. She's a um, traitor? Well, yeah. All right, all right. Before we go to the next question, why is Emmy a traitor? <laughs> let's, let, let's have a segment for her at this point. What, why is she a traitor? No, I mean, she, she to be fair, she did hook me up to this podcast, but um, she shouldn't be talking about me to other people. That's, you know, that's just not, it doesn't, it doesn't matter if it's talking nicely. She wouldn't want me doing the same thing. So, you know. Oh, she she's my dog, man. We go back. Oh, uh, me too. Wow. Uh, I, lo- I love her so much. She's, I always joke that she's my um, joyful baby, but also um, that we share a brain. That's the one thing. We just do the same things all the time and we say the same things we spend way too much time together um which is why i'm calling her out right now um oh, she, she'll be has she been on the podcast she hasn't has she actually no she's not there you go so uh, that's her so she peer pressured you into something she hasn't done exactly yet. <laughs> she wouldn't want to as well she's terrified of things like this so this so? is why she's a traitor <laughs> oh you think so you think she would be yeah. terrified if i asked yeah she probably uh, would do it just because like just because you did, like if yeah, you jump, exactly. I jump kind of thing. Yeah, probably, but okay. yeah. Well, let's see you if know, that you know that kid w- when you're like when you were a kid and you had to ask the teachers for something, and you'd go with your friend, they'd be like, "I knock and you talk." She's <laughs> that kid that was like, "I'm knocking. I'm just hiding behind you and not doing anything." You know what? I was that kid. I was that knock kid because. Yeah, yeah. Teachers didn't I like was me. the knock and talk kid. No, I, I couldn't didn't talk. Have a I was a smart ass. I couldn't talk. <laughs> I, I needed I needed a friend to talk for me, like a lawyer. Mm-hmm. Like I needed a lawyer for this. <laughs> and so, now yeah. you're talking on a podcast to now so talk- many different people. The there you go. Yeah, I know, right? we love to see it. <laughs> so in that case, reverse peer pressure. Emmy got to be on. Um, <laughs> <laughs> So she's gonna let's, hate let's... me so much. <laughs> she's gonna hate me. What are you talking about? She gonna use me as target practice if I land in Heathrow. Probably. <laughs> yeah, I had it coming. Um, so let's talk about who are your role models growing up, and I mean, I, I guess we kind of went over it, but who are your role models in uh, dodgeball? Oh, growing up. Oh. Uh, do you mean like in the sporting? kind of vibe any realm it could be sporting it could be a neighbor it could be a cartoon character you look up to 
pretty much anyone who influenced you in a positive way. <laughs> this is going to be so rogue. Um, have you ever watched NCIS, the original uh, series? Duh. Yeah. <laughs> I, Wait, are you talking Gibbs. about NCIS or are you talking about JAG? No, I'm talking about NCIS. Okay, NCIS, yes. I, I did. Yeah, Gibbs was like, I wanted to be him. I wanted to be the inspector that solved all the, the mysteries and all of that. And yeah, I don't know why. That's that. Yeah, he was a role model. He was a strong smart ass that didn't take yeah. crap from anyone um, um but yeah and then randomly as well uh will be johnny wilkinson who used to play for um, well i don't do you know who johnny wilkinson is i don't know he's a, a rugby former professional rugby player Okay, i was like it sounds like a rugby player i heard of yeah he played for england but he also played for a club that was fairly local to where i lived um and so my dad used to take me to um watch his games all the time and he was the one player everyone loved and everyone cheered for so um yeah loved him thought he was incredible nice um, i love how you said uh gibbs um because i am a huge huge ncis fan and i got to meet the actress who plays abby a couple weeks ago. That is so cool. Yeah. Let me that just is... say, really cool, down to earth, lover to pieces. But I will say this. Um, I made a promise to someone, to someone's mom over there. And um, I, I, I'm pretty sure she's going to hear this. If I do get an autographed picture from Mark Harmon, I'm going to send it yeah. to her because she's awesome. Oh, that's cool. So um, as many, well, I don't, I don't want to say as many autographs. I have a few autographs of people. Um, but of the few I have living in Hollywood, I guess. God, no, there's no perks as we could tell. Um, (laughs) you see, that's an inside joke. No one else can know. Yeah. Yeah. No Um, one else is going to understand. No one else is going to know. But if I do get an autograph picture of Mark Harmon, Kirsten, I'm saying this live, I'm going to send it to you personally. Thank you. Um, so, okay. So we got your role models out the way and we, I guess we talked about the dodgeball ones that you grew up where, you know. That helped your foundation. Let's talk about grew up, right? Uh, let's talk about rivals. Who is your uh, rival? Like, who's the player or team that you love to play against? Oh, um, I. Or is it just Emmy all over again? Yeah, uh, to, I do love playing against Emmy. <laughs> we we have this thing at training which. Um, is like whoever make, makes the first hit against the other person is going to be winning the whole day basically it's what? it's it's weird it's <laughs> if we're against each other because we play opposite positions so when we play against each other we're literally opposite each other on the court yeah um and it's a head to head where you know that the second one of us gets that first hit the rest of the day we're just going to be the other's puppet and just be it in their pocket, the pocket. yeah i was yeah. gonna do the in the pocket just... yeah <laughs> um but it, yeah it's it's fun but it's not like i don't know i love playing with her too much i, I would never call Amy a rival um true but... to be fair, i don't think i would ever call anyone a rival I, it's not really a headspace i like to be in um i do love playing <laughs> against uh lucy barrington uh she plays for spartans, spartans. and she's yeah she's incredible um she's 
aggressive, strong, and she's very challenging to play against. And I really enjoy doing that. Um, so, and she's a good friend. So, yeah, that's a really yeah. fun time. Rivals doesn't necessarily mean, at least when I when I ask it, I always say it's up to you how to answer that. It's not just necessarily like a blood feud or something. It could be yeah. something as comical as you know, in me the traitor, or. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Or, you know, just or playing against that one club you you mark down on the calendar every time on Super League, like oh, we gotta take this, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like we gotta bring our A game to this. Um so let's talk about any pregame rituals you have, any uh superstitions other than having the number four somewhere on you? Uh I I do have like my little ritual of like what I have to like what I eat before dodgeball or like what I have at dodgeball like I'll always have like grapes and melon and that's like the only snacks I really have at dodgeball I have to have a banana and a bagel for breakfast um and then like the pre-workout I have it's the same one every time and you know I have all those little things my little warm-up is the same same order and if I don't do it then I panic um (laughs) but, but yeah that's nothing to like I think it's just to get myself in in the mindset of I'm gonna play some dodgeball and now I'm in the zone and now I'm ready to play kind of thing yeah um, yeah. um you have a uh pre-game playlist or any songs you like to listen to on the way up to Super League or nothing specific it's kind of like a feel of the moment um I listen to pretty much any type of music and so it's what I'm feeling right now it might be something super depressing I always joked um one time at an England training session I arrived with I don't want to be you anymore by Billie Eilish stuck in my head at the same time as Bring Me to Life by Evanescence so they were kind of just playing in my brain just like a mashup yeah, a little bit. And th- th- they're not really songs that go together. Um, Are you a DJ? So... No, it I'm not. Like you're trying I'm to make a terrible a... DJ. It sounds yeah, like you're if, if someone can make that like mashup sound good, I'd be very happy to listen to it. Um, <laughs> but no, anyone that plays with me will tell you that I just, I'm always singing something completely random um, when I'm on court. I'm just always, I've always got some music playing in my head. So what were you singing randomly in Osajuk? Yeah, um, the girl started singing I Want It That Way by the Backstreet Boys. Um, like, <laughs> That's what I heard on stream. Time, so, I yeah, heard that on yeah. stream. Um, <laughs> yeah, so that was I was the... literally watching this on TV. I'm like, are they singing Backstreet Boys right now? <laughs> yeah, I don't know if the stream got monetized, but if uh, it did, they're, they're probably going to take it down because of us. Um yeah no that's that's actually something i really love about the england girls is you know one of us will start singing and then everyone will just join in and just um <laughs> we, we just vibe we just do silly things it's nice <laughs> for sure especially i, with- I sound like i'm trying to convince you that we're silly and so like oh i already normal. know you guys are silly i mean you guys are i already know you guys are competitive but you're silly i know yeah. half of the squad already so yeah this ain't new to me uh, <laughs> so um Let's get into some of these crowdsource questions. And uh, Phil Williams does not miss a beat. Describe that double catch. Now, before you go into that, let me tell you where I was. So behind me, there's a television screen. I was watching, it was like 2.30 in the morning, obviously time difference. And I'm like, 
holy shit, that was a nice catch. And then you wrapped it up with another catch. And then right where you thought, I thought you were gonna get the third, in my mind, I'm like, if they win, they better hoist her on their shoulders into that locker room, because that was awesome. And then I yelled so loud that my neighbors obviously hate my guts. <laughs> yeah, was... It's fine. They, they, they don't understand the true passion for dodgeball, clearly. Oh, yeah. Um... They, they know me, but, but they, they also know me when they hear me screaming at three in the morning. They know it's because it's dodgeball. Um, yeah. But yeah, that was awesome. I just want to say that right off the bat. Thanks. But it described yeah. that moment like you pulled that off essentially without even thinking about it. I, I didn't. There was no thought. There was all just sheer panic and desperation of wanting the win. Um, the first catch was planned. The first catch, um, you know, it's fairly expected that when you do a, a two-step counter, someone will just retaliate and, like, try and throw at you. Um, and at that point, I think we were down in players, at least by one player. I don't know what the actual you know I think um, we're down by one yeah probably um so yeah at that point it was kind of also it was we were up by one set we were down in players and it was like if we win this set we have won the final that's it so either make something happen now or you know work grind the next set but you probably need to do something now and yeah so I did the first catch and I think I celebrated a little bit too hard and didn't really realize I was still on court, still playing. Um, and yeah, suddenly there was um, Leona, I think her name is, Zato. Um, she was just basically like straight opposite me, like within arm's reach. And at that point, I kind of panicked. I was like, if I don't hit her out, she's going to hit me out. Uh, and I tried to chest pass her. It did not work. I missed by quite a quite a significant distance. Um, and then I was like, oh, well, I'm kind of stuck now. So I either make this catch or I'm out. So I better make this catch. And yeah, I just kind of folded and it stuck. So I got very, very lucky. It was, you know, we'll say 50% you know, skill, 50% luck, um, probably more than 50% luck, but you know, um, I'm going to toot my own horn on that, my own horn on that one. Um, and yeah, for whatever reason, I convinced myself I could take that f- third catch, even though I had a bo- ball in my hand, I could go for a block, but I was like, no, you know, third time's the charm. We'll get that one. I did not get the, the catch, but uh, luckily for me, someone hit uh, Kathy. So we still won. And yeah, I, I think I came off the court and I realized there was no one else opposite us. There was no one else on the Austria side anymore. And it kind of sunk in that, yeah, that, that was it. We'd won, we'd won the final and I did a good, you know? <laughs> I mean, you did more than good. You did great. I mean, if, if whether you made that third catch or not, those two, the first two. Imagine how epic though. Huh? Imagine I mean, how epic. We could've... Look, we can imagine how epic that third would have been. Yeah, yeah. But let's let's call it what it is. You did some awesome stuff with that too, that led to bringing it home in the end, so to speak. So Thanks. I wouldn't. I mean, yeah, three would have been great, but what you left with was great enough. 
Yeah, it's it's kind of what I mean by like, you know, I, I mentioned earlier, like letting the players play, which is like my, my style of dodgeball is, you know, chaotic. It's controlled, but it's chaotic. And like I've worked so hard on having it be more controlled. Um, but it's those moments where it's kind of like, well, you're going to have to to do something. And my instinct as a player was go for the catch. It wasn't like throw yourself out the way. It wasn't, you know, try and block with the ball you already have in hand. I could have just held the ball and not try and chest pass because that would have actually made sense, uh, yeah. which clearly is not something I'm very good at. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was just the instinct was fold and take the catch. So, yeah. That was an awesome series, just for the record. It was an awesome mm-hmm. sequence. Um, my homeboy, or sorry, my homie, uh, Vicky Barclay. What's your favorite team celebration? High fives or the butt slaps? I, I think high fives are celebration and butt slaps are like encouragement. So by like before you go on court, gonna like slap a butt, but when you when you've done something together, you're gonna high five. Never thought I would be saying those words on a podcast, but you know, hey, here we are. We're here, we're here now. I mean, hey, it's it's gonna be Vicky. If someone's gonna make it's me gonna say be something Vic- like that, I'm it's gonna just gonna say be Vicky. Vicky, she's the queen of butt slaps. I'll tell you that right she now. Is, yeah, she's the queen yeah, I know. of butt slaps. <laughs> I've been on the receiving end of many of her butt slaps. She's <laughs> got the technique nailed, <laughs> <laughs> and she got the height down too. Because it's yeah. like, she doesn't Love. need to reach down or anything like that. She's, it's she's just like already... right there. It's just like perpendicular <laughs> to her shoulder. Right we love you, Vicky. Oh, I'm getting my ass whooped. Oh, oh, we love her. Um, Phil Williams again. What was your favorite moment from the Euros? And why was it the England squad and the crowd singing? Backstreet? Okay, so he alluded to it. What, what was your favorite moment in Euros? And why was it the Backstreet Boys? The to be fair, it. it was pretty high up there. I think my favorite moment was when like we won the first set of the first game that we had and it was like, oh yeah, no, we're we're here and we've trained for this and we're gonna do this well. And like same when in the final, the first throw of the game, Lauren Hems, absolute legend of a person. I love her to bits. Yeah. First throw of the game, she takes a catch. And I was like, that's it, we're sorted. If she's if this is what's gonna happen, like I've got no stress, no worries about us doing well. Like this is going to be incredible, and that's the only thing I can I need to focus on right now. Um, but the back, the, the singing thing was great because obviously it's really loud. You've got the booming, you've got the chants. The Austrians have a drum which is insanely loud. I'm really sensitive to noise, so like I can hear it. And you know when you can feel like uh, the bass and stuff like that, like yeah, I can I can feel those things like quite hard. And so when you've got so many people chanting around you, it's really hard to focus. And the fact, like, the girls were like, no, you know what? Just clear, everyone get into, like, silly little zone, chant, like, sing sing a song. And the fact that people joined in was really nice because we would have been very happy to just do that by ourselves, obviously, like, we were doing it anyways. But it kind of, reinst- like, re affirm the fact that we had people cheering for us 
um and that we had people that believed in us the fact that people were like yeah we'll sing a little song with them it's it's, it's gonna be cute <laughs> it, def- it definitely was and uh, i was i was kind of caught off guard i'm like i'm hearing backstreet boys at euros yeah okay yeah. we're just gonna roll with that if um, you have any other song requests just let us know and then next time we're on the stream and we can <laughs> <laughs> oh i'm gonna i'm gonna hold you to that it's on record now yeah that's fine um i, I will dm england personally <laughs> <laughs> um hannah how does it feel or how does it feel to have done what seemed to be the impossible and beat the amazing Austria? Oh, it doesn't feel real. Um, yeah, I keep saying, I think it's kind of settled in a little bit more now, but I keep telling the girls like in my brain, we're about to go to Euros. We haven't gone yet. We're about to go and play our little games and then hopefully be against Austria in the final and see what happens. But yeah, it was surreal. It was great. It was, it was proof that, like all the work whether it was on court outside of court at training or you know by ourselves mental and physical all of this just paid off and yeah it was it was incredible but it still hasn't fully set in clearly no not really you still think you're gonna go even though you've already went and you've returned I I think it's because I haven't I haven't played dodgeball yet since um since Euro's finished whether it's training or, or like opens and stuff like that I haven't uh played yet so when we'll go back to our little routine of just normal um british dodgeball stuff it'll settle in a little bit more but yeah for sure hannah again dream team of ones not on the england squad oh that's so hard (laughs) you had some time to look over it um so like what six five people I want to play with basically. So yeah, if you put yourself uh, in it, five people that are not English. Uh, Shannon Smith. Well, Shannon Hill now actually. Sorry. Yeah. Um, yeah. plays for NI. Just incredible, incredible player and incredible person. Um, I love Elisa Storch as well from Wales. Um, she's incredibly hard to play against, but I love her. Um, there's so many options. There's so many great players. Um, I probably put like Pauline from France. I don't know if you know her. She's number twelve. She's really, really good. Uh, great winger, great catcher. Um. She deserves a spot on that list. Um, this is actually really hard because there's so many incredible players. Um, I'd add um, Hannah Turkington from NI as well. It's going to be so biased towards the home nations because I'm so like used to seeing them play. But same, like Ellie Manns. I want her on my team. I don't want to play against her. Um, <laughs> ooh, um Lisa McMaster from Scotland uh, as well. She's from uh, Spartans, right? No, she she was on East Anglia Valkyries and I think now has moved to Bedford Rangers. Um, yeah. So that's six. That's five, but if I put myself well, on if that, you put yourself, All right, just, yeah. so I'll, I'll give you an extra one as a bench player to rotate in and out. 
Oh, that's hard. Um, I'm trying to think of all the players that impressed me because at Euros, they was the women were incredible. Um, I think most of them, I don't actually know their names, which is quite hard. Would Um, you know their jersey numbers by any chance? Or... Not really. Fair I'll enough. be honest with you. I'm just trying to get out the way of the balls they're throwing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, how did I miss out the entire Austrian squad? They're so incredible. I'd want uh, Nikki Kremsel on my on my team. Uh, it's just yeah. She a dog, man. <laughs> He's so good. <laughs> okay, Vicky Barclay again. How do you think having great ball retrievers impacts the game? Oh, it's like having like a, a seventh player. Um, we were incredibly privileged at Euros to have Tom and Jordan um, almost well exclusively ball retrieve for us. Uh, they did, I think, 16 games throughout the tournament, all 40 minutes of it. Um, and they're great. Like a ball retriever that, obviously gets the balls quickly but like communicates the balls the time the players on court is able to feedback strategy like all these things have a massive impact on how you play a game um so it's having yeah having a good ball retriever will definitely help you win having a bad ball retriever won't necessarily make make you lose it, it can have a negative impact on your game but um at the end of the day you're the one caught if you lose it's it is your fault. <laughs> um, <laughs> very, but, yeah. very valid. Um, but yeah, I, I like how you pointed that out because uh, I, I, I don't know if I've ever said this publicly, but I do agree. Like having a decent set of ball retrievers, um, I got to say that because we say something different here. Uh, different set of ball yeah. you, you don't want, I mean, I don't know if you heard what we say here, but that's a No, I know thing. what you say. It's probably not what you want um, on a UK. No, no, they already know what I'm talking about. Um, yep. Having, having, <laughs> Having a good ball retrieving crew is like having like a seventh um, player on on the court. So it, it and, and you brought that up, so that was very solid. Um, next one from uh, Vicky: How does having a great cheer squad, her, benefit the game or detriment the game? I mean, it it helps in between sets and and things like this. Um, you can. You know, you can hear noise to some extent when you're playing. You can hear, like, it, it depends how quiet or loud the hall is. If the hall is loud, like, it doesn't matter as much. Um, but on, like, yeah, in in a quiet hall, loud people that cheer for you just helps you feel supported and helps you stay in a positive headspace, I guess. Um, if If, you know... If people cheer against you and you've been hit, um, instantly that makes it worse. Mm. Um, whereas if people cheer for you and you've been hit, and then it's you know it's okay. You're like I don't want to disappoint the fans, but um, you got plenty. Mm, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we can just blame Emmy. That's gonna be the, yeah, it's, it's of the episode. Official. Yeah, the, the that could be the. It'll be strong women that led you to your position and blame Emmy. And Emmy. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, if you have Vicky cheering for you, that must mean, you know. Oh, you she's loud. It. She oh, is loud. Oh, she, 
I mean, I shared this story many times, but I'll share it off air. But she cheered for me loud when I went over in uh, uh, the UK. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tasha Marino, what do you think is one of the critical factors in reaching the level of dodgeball you're currently at? I wouldn't pinpoint like one specific thing. Um, I think never being satisfied with like with well not how you play but never being satisfied is probably the one the the, the only reason i'm where i am today you need to be able to want to improve every single time that you step on a dodgeball call if you're not and if you start like if you don't take feedback from the coaches from your teammates from the spectators you're never going to improve you're never going to get better if anything just probably are going to get worse if you're happy with everything that you do then you're not taking accountability and that is the biggest thing that will make you a better player just being accountable um for your play for your fitness for the mental space that you're in that's yeah for sure valuable lessons for anyone who wants to be in your position sometime down the road Maybe a little bit too deep. I'm sorry. No, no, no. We get real on here. Don't get it twisted. <laughs> um, so safe to assume we had a lot of fun. A lot of hiccups, but a lot of fun. Very chaotic. <laughs> Nobody's going to know why. No, uh, that's what's called the beauty of editing. Um, but I want to ask you, and it's funny how you say we got really deep. So this is going to be another deep one. So the legacy question I always ask people. So Alice. How would you like to be remembered once you play your final game? Hopefully not for a very long time. Not for a long time. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I, I want to be remembered as a player with, you know, with talent, with skill, but with like integrity. I want to be a player that people not necessarily enjoy playing against because um obviously people don't really enjoy like losing and things like that so i I, and i like winning so if i'm winning um against (laughs) them then um but yeah i want to be a player where at the end of the day when you shake hands with the person you say you played a good game you you know i've got no complaints basically i yeah and a player that you know it influences people in a positive way. I want people to be inspired and be like, oh yeah, this kid who's not even English is playing for England. And um, she, you know, she started dodgeball like what, four or five years ago and is still playing at the highest level. I can do that as well. It doesn't matter where I start or when I start. I don't need to be playing this game for 10 years. I can do that as well. So. Well, I can say this. I mean, your career started with great women at the helm. I see you in that position further down the road. Your story is still yet to be written. Um, But what an awesome moment to at least look back on and to build upon um, the fact that- And thanks to you, I can remember it as well. (laughs) Thanks for- uh... It has nothing to do with me. You did it on the stage, I'm just talking. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just a, you could say I'm just a storyteller. People are going to remember you whether I talk to you or not. I'm I'm the one in the privileged seat here. You know what I mean? 
So, you know, you have an awesome moment to look back on, but you also have a, a lot to build up on. And, you know, a lot of people in devs are looking at you and thinking, you know what, I could be her one day. A lot of people are looking at you, you know, on a local level, and you're going to inspire them to do that. And um, I can see you again, I can see you in that position where, you know, someone else comes into the club and, um, you know, you're that veteran now. You're not that rookie. You're not that, you know. Calling me old? No, <laughs> no not older than me. No, I got gray over here. I got some gray <laughs> over here. Nah, nah, it's going to be a while before that happens. But you can have that veteran status that the women before you is, have instilled upon you. And you're going to do great things. And that's going to be scary for the people, you know, England has to face further down the road. But if I were to say something, to say something to you right now, you might you might be on that England squad or you might be a lioness, so to speak, but you got that dog in you. <laughs> you got that dog in you, okay? Don't ever lose that because that inspired a lot of people, whether you realize it or not, inspired a lot of people. You put You put England essentially back on the map with that play, but it wasn't just that. It was the mental shift the whole squad took that you took a part of. Obviously, we're just talking about you, but that was a whole united front that had to take that. But obviously, other than your viral moment, that's going to be bad news for anyone going forward. Now that Euros is going to be, what, every two years? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be bad news for the uh, the other nations, the Americas and the Asias of the world. Where I'll say it right now. <laughs> kick everybody's ass. Um, <laughs> I said it. <laughs> I said it. It's going to be bad news for them because they're behind right now. I said what I said, and they know where to find me. Yeah. So look at it this way. A year to prepare, and that's what you accomplish. The scary thing is, now you got two years. Yeah. The scary thing is, now you got two years of improving your fitness, improving your skill set, improving that chemistry, scouting, doing some intel. You got that dog in you, Alice. So as much as you would say, you know, thank me for, you know, everyone remembering it. People were going to remember that regardless. That was in video before it was in audio. Let's keep that in mind, all right? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. So, <laughs> I consider it a privilege to to share your story. And um, hopefully in a couple of years, you'll look back and be like, you know what? I was on this podcast and we talked about yeah. this. You know what I mean? And if I feel I, privileged from, for being one of the select few that get to be in this position. <laughs> We could, <laughs> yeah, we can blame Has, Emmy. Hashtag blame Emmy. <laughs> blame Emmy. That's gonna be the hashtag going forward. But um, but yeah, no, I just want to say, interviewing you, and I, I guess I can tell you later, but it's definitely um, helped me feel better in some ways. So, thank you. Thank you. Um, um do you have any um final shout outs you'd like to give or questions you'd like to ask or anything um has this euros like yourself and do you think actually for the u.s as well but uh has it made you want to pick up like cloth a little bit more and do you think seeing all these strong nations evolved has that what like is that going to have an impact you think on a personal level, I've always been a fan of the cloth game, even from the three ball era. So um, 
I would, I guess you would say I was a bit of an outlier in that mm -hmm. sense. Um, now, I mean, I, anytime I can go over there and play in like a English open, foam open or whatever, I'm definitely yeah. going to take the opportunity to, um, even playing cloth in Mexico I'm looking to do that as well. Um, so that the desire in me is if anything reignited and it's already been high to begin with. And, um, the second part of your question was, what was it? I'm sorry. The strength of it's, yeah, seeing like this how strong, um, you know, European nations are becoming. I mean, they were already strong in the first place. Yeah. Unfortunately, I feel like at Worlds it was so far uh, that not a lot of nations managed to come over and like display that. Um, do you think other nations like the US and Canada? How do you think you know seeing this kind of game is going to impact them in terms of? their meta but also their drive to, to play the game well, okay that's actually uh interesting um so i can say <laughs> you sound surprised no 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 not not, not surprised because i'm gonna break it down i'm gonna be real with you if anyone on the podcast who've been on before or listen may know i'm, I'm gonna just be keep it honest with you i think canada is further ahead as far as preparation like they already have their team ready to go and they have their training camps ready to go and stuff like that um I think if anything, having more European nations um, next year, you're going to see a lot more shakeups in the rankings. Like the rankings are going to be drastically different. And I'm not just saying that to, you know, denigrate people or get clickbait or anything. The rankings will be different. Like when you have more European countries, you know, at Worlds representing cloth, I, I look at it like this, like I'm going to have a pretty solid out, uh, sports outtake or sports take on this. Euros on the football level is way more competitive than the World Cup. Yeah. Because a lot of the European, it's more small, it's a lot smaller, a lot more condensed. And I would even state that for the Copa Libertadores, which is a, you know, a Spanish version, so to speak. And um, in the World Cup, you kind of know who's not going to make it out of the group stage. Mm -hmm. For the most part in Euros, you have an upset here and there. It's more competitive, it's more condensed. So when I look at euros and i look at worlds from last year this euros was way more competitive by far yeah. from start to finish even teams that historically would not have been as competitive from the start were perennial dog fights till the very end yeah, you know certainly. despite some big upsets this year yeah there were definitely some big upsets so I, I would even go as far as to say like then the next worlds Oh, I'm sorry, next worlds across men's uh, cloth, women's cloth, mixed cloth. Those top three are going to be European nations. And if people want to get upset about that, I said what I said, do something about it. Train, hit the weight room, you know, practice with the cloth ball, you know, study your opponents. Yeah. Because I know there's going to be some people who are offended by that. And that's fine. But do something about it. You know what I mean? Because I'm going to just say it right now. If you want premier level competition of cloth, you go to Europe, you check out the yeah. Super League, you check out, you know, what's going on in NI or Wales or Scotland or France or Austria or, or, or Belgium or Italy. Like you want to you want to you want to get good at the cloth game. Check out one of them and see what they're doing because they're ahead of the game. You could sit here and say you guys have better athletes and this and that or whatever. That's fine. We're not talking about better athletes. We're talking about better cloth players. Mm -hmm. 
I, I would say next year you're going to see a lot more shakeups in the rankings. It'll be interesting. <laughs> for sure. All right. And that was my interview with Alice. Alice, thank you so much for <laughs> an awesome, <laughs> awesome recording. Uh, the chaos, uh, that's something we'll definitely share uh, for sure. Only one, only us will know that. Um, I'm not the one to believe in science. Not really. But I consider interviewing Alice during this time a solid uh, positive spark. So um, thank you, Alice. You got that dog in you. <laughs> and I respect that wholeheartedly. Um, I am going to set up for my next guest. I'm hoping to do a recap on Euro uh, for Euros. Um, have, I have a panel in mind or have a panel being developed rather. Uh, hopefully that'll come out soon. But otherwise, uh, thank you. Um, thank you for your support um, now and going forward. All right, listened up until this point. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful day.